Good morning. Please stand for the reading of the word. Today's scripture is from John 10, verses 1 through 15. I tell you the truth. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. Those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant, so he explained it to them. I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who come, came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come in and go freely and will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me, just as my father knows me and I know the father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. You may be seated. Thank you, Angela. What a big day, right? I am honored and privileged to get to preach to you today on such a monument, like a monumentous occasion. Like it's a huge day for all of us. So a couple months ago, Pastor Jason asked me if I would preach that he would be out of town. He was like, "No pressure if you could just take care of that." I was like, "Yeah, yeah, I can do that." But like as I'm standing here today, like it feels like a lot of pressure. Like a lot of pressure. There's no pressure, right? Like, God's on the throne, no pressure. I'm just going to keep trying to convince myself of that. We're all friends, right? We're family here, you know? So I've been thinking, like, a lot about this day and, like, how much it means to so many of us. I've been thinking about this building and this church and, like, what it just means to my family alone. Like, I was saved here. I got baptized here. I've raised my son here. I met my husband here. We got married in this building. Like, lots happened for our family. But you know what the thing that I am thankful for the most, the one that's the most special to me, is that in this church, in this building, and with all of you, I have learned to have a real, authentic, intimate, and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. doesn't get better than that, you know? And so today, that's what I want to talk to you about. Like, I want to talk to you about intimacy. And like, as I say that, you're like, what? That's weird. Because the world has distorted that word, like intimacy. But if you look it up in the dictionary, it literally means a close familiarity or a friendship, like closeness. But I think sometimes we struggle 
to have that relationship with Jesus, that like intimate and close and personal relationship because we struggle in relationship with each other. We don't know how to be vulnerable and authentic, how to interact with people. So we don't know how to be vulnerable with God because we struggle with each other. And so instead, we choose to depend on ourselves, independence. But at the root of our independence is fear and unbelief. It's a struggle. And so instead, we'll like put this wall up. It's like an invisible wall that we have to help us like feel secure. We do it with people. We do it with God. You're like, I can have this much of you. Like, you can have this much of me, God. Like, just this much. You can't have everything, but you can have this much. Or we do the same with people. Like, they can have this much of our story, but we won't tell them, like, we'll talk about the past, but we won't tell them, like, how we're really struggling right now. Like, we control the narrative. Because when we're vulnerable, like, we have no control over how people perceive us. And we like control. It feels safe to us. And we like to think it's like other people too. We blame them. Like they're just not that vulnerable. Or they don't talk to me. Like she's not that approachable. But it's us, really. We protect ourselves because we are fearful and insecure. So instead, we get on social media. And we're like, I've got 1,200 followers. I've got like so many friends. But let's be honest. Jesus had 12 friends. You do not have 1,200 friends. You just don't. And those people, they don't see like an up close and intimate and a personal relationship with you. They only see what you post. And we post the best pictures too, like filtered. They look phenomenal. They don't, our friends, like they don't, our Facebook friends, they don't know how like hard it was to get that one good picture. You're trying to get your family together. The kids are crying and complaining. They don't want to take a picture. And then your spouse is mad because you want a picture and he doesn't care about the picture. And then you post the picture and it got you 125 likes. Like, people love us. You know? But it's not real. It's, it's distant. It's protective. Like, we do the same in text messaging, you know? Like, we don't even talk anymore. We just text each other. Or we got group messages, and we do the same thing. And in a group message, like, everybody is either liking it or loving it or emphasizing it. Like, no one actually responds to each other anymore. They just love it. Hearted or thumbs up. And it's a lot of pressure, too. Like, being in a group message, I'm like, everybody else loved it. Should I love it? Like... I don't even know if I love it, but I feel this pressure to, like, love it. Do we love it? Because I don't know if we do, but we tell ourselves we do. Like, we don't know how to communicate anymore. We struggle to allow people to see us up close and personal, to have meaningful relationships. Because real intimacy involves a meaningful, a close, a personal relationship. I've heard the word intimacy described in this way, and I feel like it's the best description of it. Intimacy. In to me see. 
Like into me see, like not my appearance on the outside, like my soul and my heart, what makes me laugh and cry, what I get angry about, what I get sad about, my heart, my desires, my needs, my wants, my feelings. Like into me see. But it's a struggle. We don't like to be vulnerable. We hate that word, actually. And no wonder. I looked it up in the dictionary, and it literally means susceptible to physical or emotional attack. <laughs> like, why would we want to do that? Like, no wonder we don't like the word. Like, we need a new word for vulnerable or something. Like, or change the definition. Like, why would I want to set myself up to be attacked? Because we remember when we did that. See, vulnerability, it takes courage and strength and risk. And when we put ourselves out there, we remember how people hurt us, how they took advantage of us. And we remember that pain. And we like to avoid pain at all costs. So let's just push it down. Let's pretend it didn't happen. Let's distance ourselves and make ourselves unavailable to people because we're like real busy. I'm really busy. Or people ask you like, hey, how you doing? And you're like, I'm fine. I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. Like, I think you're trying to convince yourself that you're fine. Because you know what fine stands for? Frustrated and insecure and neurotic and exhausted. Like, we're fine. We're fine. We're just so fine. But I think we actually believe that we're fine. Like, I don't think we know how we feel. So we're fine. We're fine. So we hide ourselves, we distance ourselves, we conceal everything. And so I want to ask you today, do you hide from Jesus or do you cry out to him in desperation? Like, does he see you just undone and a mess? Like, do you talk to him about how you feel and why you're angry and what makes you mad? What makes you cry? What makes you sad? Because he already knows. He already knows. But do you know yourself? Because to know yourself is to know God, and to know God is to know yourself. Like they go hand in hand. Because God created us. But you know what the truth is? I don't think we want to know ourselves. Like, I think like denial is better than the feelings that we actually feel. And it's sin. Like the devil has convinced us that our flaws and our brokenness and our pain, they disqualify us. And like nobody wants to deal with that mess. And the devil lies to us and we believe it. But you know what I believe? I believe that God intended us to stand in this world with nothing to offer. But ourselves, broken and flawed, naked and exposed and vulnerable and emotionally aware. But we can't do it. From the moment that sin entered this world, we have tried to hide everything. Adam and Eve ate the apple. Did it to us all. <laughs> they ate the apple. And as soon as they did, they tried to hide. God comes walking into the garden. He's calling out to them. He knows exactly where they are. He's God. But they're hiding. 
And he says, why are you hiding? I'm like, because we're naked and we're afraid. They were aware. Naked and afraid. I think that's how a lot of us are. Like, we're afraid. And so we hide from God and we hide from people. But you know who else hides? A thief. If we look at our verse today, it says in John 10, verse 1 through 3, I tell you the truth. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of the sheepfold must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice, and they come to him. Like, we got to know him. Like, really know him. Not like Jesus died on the cross. Okay, I got it. Jesus, he's great. Like, know him. Invite him into our life. Because if not, we're just like the Pharisees. Like, they thought they knew Jesus, but they didn't. Like, they literally, when it's about time for Jesus to go to the cross, the religious leaders, they hand Jesus over, the Son of God. They trade Jesus for Barabbas, a known criminal, a sinless man gets traded for a known criminal. And you know why I think they did it? Because with Barabbas, it was easy. There was no need for accountability or self-examination or repentance or forgiveness. See, Jesus makes people uncomfortable. We like comfort. And so did they. And so they rejected him because they didn't know him. Because if they really knew Jesus, like the love of Christ, they would recognize that repentance and self-examination and forgiveness, it leads to a better life, abundant life. And we like to think to ourselves, like, I just can't believe that they would hand Jesus over to, like, trade Jesus for Barabbas. Like, we're prideful enough to think that we don't do that. But we do the same thing. Every day, we hand Jesus over for comfort, for what makes us feel better. We'll trade time with him for like self-examination and reading our Bible and praying because we're busy. Like we got to get the day started. We got an agenda and a to-do list. And so we willingly hand him over. We wouldn't say it that way. But that's exactly what we're doing. We trade Jesus all the time. And Jesus is saying to us and to the Pharisees, like, you think you know me. But if you don't come to me, like, you really don't know me. You're a thief and a robber. But I am the gate, the only way to get to the Father. There is no other way. Religion and works and behavior won't get you there. No other way. We think we got to earn it. But the truth is we will never be good enough for Jesus. We'll never be well behaved enough. We can't clean ourselves up enough and put it together and hide everything. We don't have to. All we got to do is walk through the gate just as we are, and let him take care of the rest. Jesus said, those who go through the gate, 
will be saved. They will come and go freely and find good pastures. Abundant life. That's what Jesus offers. That's what a relationship looks like with him. It's a choice. We come and go freely. We come and go freely. It's a choice. We got free will. And he wants us to choose him. I don't think any of us in here maybe have an arranged marriage. I mean, maybe you do, but I didn't have an arranged marriage. I chose my husband. Like, I chose him. I chose to be committed to God and committed to him. And for God to be at the center of our marriage. Two became one. And I mean, think about marriage. It's intimate. It's personal. They see you, your spouse sees you like at your best, at your worst. Still love you. Or think about in your friendships, like the real friendships that you have. You choose those friends, right? I know my closest friend is Pastor Katie. And we've been friends 15 years now. That's a long time. And, you know, any time that I go over to her house, like, I just let myself in. I got the alarm code, the garage code. Like, I don't knock. She might be home. She might not. I just walk right in. Like, I don't sneak around back like a thief and a robber would. I have complete access to her home. And you know why? Because we know each other. Like, I know her, and she knows me, and we've been intentional in our relationship together. We've seen each other at our worst, at our best. We walk through extremely hard times together. We've been there for each other. We laugh together and pray together. We cry together. We've raised our kids together. I mean, there was even a time, like, I lived with them. And so we would get up in the morning and, like, get the kids ready for school and when I lived with them, it was a few years ago, her youngest daughter, Presley, she was like four then. But today's actually her birthday. Like, yeah, happy birthday, Presley. Happy birthday, Press. Sorry, I embarrassed her. Don't look at her. <laughs> but we're getting the kids ready for school. And she's like, it's Mother's Day. And she's like, Mommy, you're the best mom ever. She's like, and Jesse, she's the best stepmom ever. <laughs> it's like, yes, I am. It was so funny. We still laugh about it to this day. But inside, we were like, man, I hope she don't go to school and like say, like, my mom, my stepmom, my dad, we all live together. <laughs> I mean, no offense if, if that's your living arrangement, but. <laughs> We know each other, like personally and intimately. We do life together. That is the way that God designed it. That's the relationship he wants to have with us. Personal and intimate and honest. Complete access. That's what he wants. And in our scripture today, he says, I am the good shepherd. He's letting us know, like, you can trust me. Sheep won't follow someone they don't trust. They have to know the shepherd's voice. And he's saying, like, sheep, you all are sheep. And you're, you should be totally dependent on me for everything. Because sheep are prone to wander. But sheep need a shepherd. We're sheep. 
We need Jesus. He said, my sheep know my voice. I know them and they know me. Like, do you know him? Like, really know him? And maybe you're thinking like, man, have I been climbing over the wall? Like, or am I going through the gate? Because climbing over the wall will make it work for a while. But it only lasts so long. Do you have an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus? And if not, do you want it? And so as I was preparing for this message, I just felt all this pressure. Like, pressure that I put on myself. And I was like, okay, you got to teach them. Teach them. Show them what it looks like to have an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus. Tell them your stories of like how you cry out to God and how he's shown up. Like, show them. And then I was like, I don't think that's going to work. And I came to the end of myself. Or maybe God, God brought me there. He's like, you can't teach that. Like, you can't teach intimacy. You can't teach someone how to have a relationship. It's personal for a reason. It has to be experienced. You got to live it. But you know what I can tell you? Where to find it? In Jesus. You just go through the gate. Like it's that simple. You just accept him. Like really accept the work that he did for us on the cross. Like accept it. Believe it. Understand it. Recognize the weight of that. And then you can be friends with the God of the universe through Jesus Christ. Romans 5 verse 10 and 11 tells us, it says, For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while you were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. And so now... We can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord, Jesus Christ, has made us friends with God. Like, do you recognize that? The God of the universe. You know how a lot of people, like, they want to be friends with people that they deem in, like, a position of power or authority? Like, you got all access. You can be best friends with God. The God of the universe. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. It doesn't get any more powerful than that. You got complete access. Just got to go right through the gate. See, friendship, it's not earned. It can't be taught. Just accepted. That's it. Experienced. Like You got to experience it. You can't work for it. You can't earn it seems too easy, right? Because the devil convinces us that it takes more than that. We got we to gotta get there. Like, we're not doing good enough. We're not praying enough. I'm not reading my Bible enough. But you just go into the gate. That's all you got to do. You don't have to do anything else. 
Like that's enough. And you just keep going to the gate and going to the gate. You come and you go freely. You give him authority in your life and then everything else will flow from there. Seek the kingdom of God first and everything will be given to you. Everything. And when you do, you'll come to know his kindness and his mercy. And you'll choose to be vulnerable with God. You'll cry out to him in desperation and in pain. You'll search for him through wisdom and knowledge. You'll pray and read your Bible and you'll fast and you'll trust in God. You'll just sit still in silence and just take in his presence. And you'll be in awe of his goodness. And his mercy and his compassion. And you'll worship him with praise and thanksgiving and gratitude. Because somewhere along the way of you just going and coming and going and coming, you will recognize that you have been completely transformed. And you'll go to him over and over again out of a deep love and a reverence for him not out of obligation out of a want and a desire the love of Christ that's the answer to everything especially our fear and our unbelief I think Henry Nolan said it best if fear is the great enemy of intimacy. Love is its true friend. That's the answer. The greatest gift that God has ever given us is love. The love of Christ. It doesn't get better than that. Jesus is meek and merciful and humble. He's our healer and the cure for every problem we will ever have. He's the redeemer of everything that the enemy has stolen from us. He's our only constant. Never leaves, never abandons, never forsakes us. He's our hope in our hopelessness, our therapist, our comforter, our healer in our time of need. He's our provider. Emmanuel, God is with us. God is with us. The love of Christ knows no limits, no boundaries. What else could you possibly need? What else? Like, you don't need anything else. When I think about vulnerability, I think about Jesus. Think about how vulnerable he was for us, how good he was, how faithful he is. I think about an innocent newborn baby, the way he came into this world. Think about when a baby is born and they come out and they're crying and they're, I'm sure they're scared. Like they've been in a warm womb and now they're out in this bright world and they're crying. And what does the doctor do? He takes the baby. And he instantly places it on the mother's chest. Because the baby 
knows her voice. And she comforts her child. I think about that. And I think about Psalms 22. When David said, You brought me safely out of my mother's womb and led me to trust you at my mother's breast. Like David is saying here, God is the giver of life. And he is thanking him. Because he knows that God has taken care of him since birth. Think about a baby. They're totally dependent on their mother. That's what God wants from us. Total dependence. That's how we need to come to him. Just like resting our weary head on his shoulder. Jesus said, in order to inherit the kingdom of God, you must become childlike. Children are vulnerable. They don't protect themselves. And we do. I think about how sweet and innocent and pure kids are. Especially the little ones. Maybe not the bigger ones, but <laughs> little ones. And I think about my sweet grandkids. And so I want to show you my grandkids. This is Ella and Jay Dell. And so the other day, we were talking to Ella on the phone. And she's four. And so she says to, to my husband, she calls him G-Pop. And she's like, G-Pop, I colored you some pictures. He's like, you did? She's like, yeah, you want to see them? He's like, yeah. She said, I colored the Holy Ghost. And she pulls it up. And then she says, and he's pooping. <laughs> so... That's the Holy Ghost pooping. <laughs> it's just like kids, man. They're just sweet and innocent and pure. And they don't filter themselves. They say whatever. They'll let you know exactly how they're feeling. That is how God wants us to come to him. Just like a child. A child Climbing into their father's lap, just looking for love and approval. And Jesus says to us, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter. Anyone can come. The gate is open wide. You've got complete access. You can come and go freely. All you got to do is walk through the gate. So I ask you, what will you choose? Do you choose to go to the gate? And if not, maybe you would say you want that. Or maybe you're still scared. Like maybe you fear God in a way of like you're not convinced that he is who we say he is. Like he hasn't revealed himself to you. Or maybe you would say like you did accept him, but he didn't show up for you. So tell him that. Like tell him how you feel. Like God, I want to know you. But I'm not sure if I do. Like, I need you to show me you. Like, God, I'm scared. Like, I don't like vulnerability. I'm afraid of vulnerability. The truth is, we're all afraid of vulnerability. No one wants to set themselves up for harm. And so we just need to pray and we need to talk to him. I think about when the disciples were asking, they were t saying to Jesus, like, Lord, teach me how to pray. It's not because they didn't know how to pray, because they've been praying for a while. 
It's because they recognized there was something different about the way Jesus spoke to the Father. And so maybe our prayers should be, Lord, teach me to be vulnerable. There's no better example of vulnerability to have than Jesus. None. And so my prayer today is that you would go to the gate and then you would just keep going and you would come back and you would go and you would freely come and go at the gate. And then somewhere along the way, like you'll figure it out, you'll know exactly who he is. Not the guy from the stories, not the man hanging on the cross. You'll know him. And you will realize that you've got everything you need. You don't need anything else. My prayer is that you'll just walk through the gate. Because if you will have the courage to be seen, like seen by God, you will experience the grace of being known. Known by Him and known by people. And once you're known, you will experience intimacy the way God designed it, the way he created it to be. Intimacy. In, to, me, see. Like, into me. Because that's what we all want, isn't it? To be seen and to be known especially by God. So I encourage you, be vulnerable. Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. You have nothing to lose and everything to gain. So let's pray. God, we thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you for the sacrifice and the penalty that He took that we deserve. We thank you for his kindness and his goodness and his mercy and his gentleness and his compassion. God, teach us what it looks like to be like Jesus, to be vulnerable, to be honest with ourselves and with others, to be honest with you, to seek your will, and your way and to know you God more than we know anyone else God thank you for Jesus Amen